Let's join the worship center at Life Church, where the service is already in progress. But commander's intent is a military term, and what it what it does is it describes what constitutes the success of an operation. It basically tells us what success looks like. The commander's intent gives us the directive of what success looks like, and then it's our job to line up everything we do with the commander's intent to complete the mission. And God has laid out the commander's intent for a believer. And we're going to be looking at his intent for our lives over the next few weeks. Um, what is the commander's intent for Life Church? What is our purpose here? What are we here to do? We're here to believe, belong, become, and bless, and live to make God look good. You know, that's the commander's intent for Life Church. That's what he's called us to do as believers, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe in his word, to belong to a community of believers. What's that saying? No man is an island. We need each other. God did not create you to go through life alone. He wants us to be a community of believers. You know, I know that people these days, they say, oh, I just stream my church. I'll just sit back and stream it and it's all okay. And it's okay to live stream stuff. We got stuff on the internet you can stream and listen to. But there's a difference between that and being in the presence of other believers, collectively in the presence of God. There's a complete difference and a shift of focus. You can, you know, stream church and all that, but it's a difference being in church. And so we need each other. We need to belong to a community. And that's what Life Church is, a community of believers. Then we need to become. So once we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in His Word, once we belong to a community of believers, then we got to become. God wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to stand still. He wants us to go forward. He doesn't want us to just come to know Jesus and then sit the bench till the rapture. He's got a plan and a purpose for us. He wants us to become. He wants us to become. He said, he was telling Jacob, you know, I'm, you were named Jacob, but now you're Israel. He wants us to become. He wants us to grow up in him. And then once we've gotten discipleship down, once we're growing in Christ, then he wants us to bless others and he wants us to raise others up and he wants us to disciple others. So it's a life cycle of the believer. To believe, belong, become, bless. It's a continuous life cycle that multiplies the kingdom of God. And all that can be summed up in what my daddy always used to say. Just live to make God look good. Because when we're living to make God look good, that means we're lining up with his word. We're getting in line with his principles. We're standing fast in our faith without wavering. We're believing in him. We're, we're faithful to the things of God. We're faithful to build his kingdom. Faithful to build the community of believers. We're becoming. We're ever growing. We're ever increasing in knowledge. And we're learning more and more about him so that we can learn how to behave more like him. And then through that, we disciple others. What was Jesus' last directive to us in Mark 16? Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go teach others what I've taught you. So this is the life cycle of the believer. 
if we want to get all scientific and start talking science on a Sunday morning. This is the life cycle of a believer, and that's what we're going to look at over these next few weeks. John 10.10 says, The thief comes in order to steal and kill and destroy. That's what Satan wants for your life. And many times we do a better job than Satan at doing it to ourselves. You know? Because a lot of times we blame things on the devil that we done cooked up on our own in our own kitchen. But that's Satan's plan for your life. To steal, kill, and destroy. Whether you do it to yourself, whether I do it to myself, or whether he does it to us for us. That's his plan. But then Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy their life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Now that's God's plan for your life. He wants you to have and enjoy your life. He wants you to have it to the full. He wants you to have it in abundance. Have it till it overflows. He wants you to be excited about living for Him and doing His will. So how are we going to have this abundant life? How are we going to enjoy life? Well, God tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 through 20. God is talking to the children of Israel and he's giving them a choice. And he lays before us the same choice this morning. We've been talking about this in Tuesday night and digging deep. I hope you can make it for some of those. Because we've been really digging into what it means to be a child of God and how we get there. So how are we going to enjoy our life? How are we going to have it in abundance? How are we going to have it till it overflows? Well, Deuteronomy 30 tells us. God was telling the children of Israel, See, I've set before you this day life and good, death and evil. So he gives us a choice. You can have the thief steal and kill and destroying. You can have death and evil. Or you can have and enjoy your life to in abundance to the full till it overflows. You can have a good life. And this is how. This is how we get to that good life. If you obey the commands, the Lord your God, which I command you this day, the commands of the Lord, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep his commands and his statutes and his ordinances, then you shall live and multiply. You know, keeping the commands of God, we look at that and, and, and you know, oh, it's something I gotta do. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I gotta do this. I like the way my husband describes it. He says, instructions from a loving father. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to follow instructions from a loving father father and when we look at it that way we see that God's design is the best for us he just is simply wanting the best for our life those of you with kids when you tell your kid don't put your hand on the hot stove well you're not trying to deprive your child from touching the stove you're not trying to deprive him from experiencing something really awesome you know that his little hands gonna light on fire You know, I did that when I was younger. My mom had me sitting up on the countertop because I couldn't be five seconds away from her or I'd start screaming and hollering and crying. So I'm told I don't remember these times, but they were joyous for her is what I always hear. So she had me sitting up on the counter while she was cooking. 
And she had turned her back to get something out of the fridge. And all of a sudden, I started screaming and crying. I put my hand inside of a hot pan on the stove. And I had it in the pan. And she turned around and my hand was in the pan and I was screaming. And she was, you know, jerking me out and, you know, seeing if I was okay, taking me to the ER. It was a big event. I don't have any memory of this, but I've, I've heard lots of stories and she'll tell it to you at lunch if you want her to. God isn't saying don't put your hand in the pot because he's trying to keep something from us. He knows that if we put our hand in the pot, we're going to get burnt. It's going to cause damage. It's going to take time to heal if we get out of line with his commands and we stick our hand in the pot. So when we see the words God's commands, his ordinances, his statutes, his law, the things that he lays down for us to do, it's not, he's not trying to tell us, oh, I've, this all over here is really super fun, but don't you dare touch it. He's saying, no, I love you. I want what's best for you. Let me show you my best. Don't stick your hand in the hot pot. Don't boil your skin off. Trust me. Many times we're like, well, I think that pot looks good, so I'm just going to stick my hand right down in it. We're one of those stubborn kids that's got to learn the hard way. I've seen running a school... I've seen some stubborn kids that had to learn the hard way. Got their hand in the pot for months. Won't pull it out for nothing. God is just trying to give us his best life for us. His commander's intent. The way that this thing is supposed to be lived. That way we get the maximum amount of of relationship and connection with God. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, walk in His ways, keep His commands, His statutes, His ordinances, then you shall live. And not only will you live, you'll multiply. Some of you are like, I don't want to multiply, thank you very much. I'm fine the way we are. But that's not just talking about having kids. That's also talking about discipling and growing up other people in the kingdom of God. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your mind and your heart are turned away and you refuse to hear, you stick your hand in that bowl and pot and you're drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you this day, you shall surely perish, and you will not live long in the land which you pass over the Jordan to enter and possess. He said, I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I have set before you life and death, the blessings and the cursings. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. And that you may love the Lord your God and obey his voice and cling to him for he is your life and your length of days. That you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
So God has a great plan for her life. He has an intent for good for us. And he says, today I set before you two options. I give you two choices, life or death. You can either walk in blessings or you can walk in cursings. And you've got to choose what you're going to do. Well, if God really loves us, then how come there's a place called hell? And how come one day we'll stand before him in judgment and some people are going to go there? Because in Deuteronomy 30, at the very beginning, we can go back to Genesis with Adam and Eve. I set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Choose life. Don't choose death. Don't stick your hand in the bowl and pot. Look at my instructions from a loving father and choose life. And it all starts with believing. And that's where we're going to start this morning. We got a long way to go and a short time to get here. So hang on and we'll get back to the barbecue. No. God wants us to believe in him. Believe in God and his sacrifice. John three sixteen through 21, very familiar, 16 at least. And past that, you may not be as familiar with. It says, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes and trusts and clings and relies on him shall not perish or come to destruction or be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. I set before you two choices, life or death. Choose life. For God did not send his son to the world to, to judge or reject or condemn or pass a sentence on the world. That was when he came to be the sacrifice. We know one day he's going to come back and we will stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. But at this time, God sent his son that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. He who believes in him, who clings to him, who puts his trust in him and relies on him is not judged. He who trusts him and never comes up for judgment for there's no rejection or condemnation. He incurs no damnation. Why? Because he's walking in the commands from a loving father. He's living to make God look good. He's doing the things that God said to do. So there's no condemnation to that one who believes in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he's following out instructions from a loving father. He's accepted Jesus and he's lining up his life in obedience with the instructions from God. But he who does not believe, he who chooses death, he who chooses the cursings, he who does not cleave to and rely on and trust him is already judged. He's already been convicted and received a sense because he has not believed and not trusted in the name of the only begotten son of Jesus, God's son. He's condemned for refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name. The basis of the judgment, the indictment lies in this. The light has come to the world and people have loved the darkness more than they love the light. And we see that a lot in the day that we live in. People love darkness a lot more than they love light. God wants us to obey instructions from a loving Father. He wants us to choose life. He wants us to choose light. 
for their works, their deeds were evil. For every wrongdoer who hates the light and will not come out into the light but shrinks from it, lest his works be exposed and reproved. But he who practices truth, notice it's not just believe truth, but it's also practice truth, who does what is right, comes out into the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are, wrought with God, divinely prompted, done with God's help, and independence upon Him. That's what God wants for your life. He wants you working with Him. He wants you to do what He's divinely prompted. He wants to help you and give you guidance and wisdom and knowledge through the Holy Spirit on how to live this thing out. He wants us in complete dependence on Him. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Or be satisfactory to him. Whoever would come and be near to God must necessarily believe that God exists. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him out. Look at John 1, 12. But to as, but to as many as did receive him and welcome him. So notice you first gotta receive him. You first gotta welcome him in. He gave authority and power and privilege and right to become the children of God. That is, those who believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on His name. So we've got to believe God. We've got to receive Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. Isaiah 56, 5-7. We not only see it in the New Testament, we see it in the Old Testament. To them... I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better, more enduring than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord and and minister to him to love the name of the Lord. I'm glad he included them because I wasn't born a Jew, but I can be grafted into the family. Also, the foreigners who join themselves with the Lord to minister to to him and to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and not profane it and holds it, my my covenant, by continuous and conscientious obedience. All these things will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all people. We have been grafted in through our belief in and on the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we come to believe? Well, there's something that I learned when I was a little kid. And I remember we used to go out to the parks in Fort Smith, Arkansas when we lived there. And we would take these little tracks that were titled Romans Road to Salvation. And man, I'd be out there about six or seven years old talking to people on park benches. You know the Romans Road to Salvation? You know, sitting and reading it out to them. Leading people to the Lord. God can use you. You're not too young. You're not too old. There is no expiration date on your big toe last time I checked. Check your toe when you get home. There's not a date stamped on there. God has a plan for your life. It's a good plan. His commander's intent is for you to believe, belong, become, and bless, and live to make Him look good, lining up your life with His commands. So how do we come to believe? The Romans' road to salvation will get us there. 
Look at Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. you got to recognize you sinned. i got to recognize I sinned. And if I tell, if I ask in here how many have sinned and you don't raise your hand, you just lied and we'll come pray for you. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. The definition of sin is missing the mark. We've all missed the mark. We've all come out of the line with God's commands. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we've got to recognize that there's a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. When we choose death and we choose the cursings rather than choose life, the wages, the penalty, the payment for that choice is death. Separation from God. Eternity in hell. The Bible clearly lays out that if we choose Death, and we choose the cursings, what we have to look forward to. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the consequence of choosing life and choosing to line our life up with the loving Father's instruction is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I've set before you, it all comes back down to Deuteronomy 30, I've set before you blessings and cursings. What will you choose? Romans 5, 8, But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God knew we had this choice and He wanted to make a way for us to be reunited with him, with his father. And so Jesus came and died for us as the final sacrifice for our sin. We don't have to go sacrifice bulls and goats and sheep and, and, and birds anymore. We have the perpetual sacrifice for our sin, the blood of Jesus. And if we believe on him, if we follow the loving father's instructions, then we line our life up with him, then we choose life. And we have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we receive it? Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. What is righteousness? Right standing with God. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So how do we receive Jesus? We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. We make him our Lord and Master, our Savior. If we make him our Lord and our Master, think back to history for a few minutes. When somebody was the Lord over the land, they were the boss. They were the guy in charge. And everybody had to do what the Lord said. When we make Jesus the Lord and the master of our life, it's not just something that we say with our mouth, but it's something that we do with our lifestyle. Because if he's the Lord, we got to do everything that Jesus said. If he's the Lord, we got to line up with what he said. So, When we make him the Lord and master of our life. Confession is just the beginning. We're not saved by works. We can't be good enough to get saved. 
But when we ask Jesus to forgive us and we receive Jesus' sacrifice for our sins, we are saved, then we do the work. Why? Because we've made him Lord and master of our life. We've come into a new system of government where God governs our lives. And just like here in the United States, we're not going to go out there on Highway 425 and go 92 miles an hour in the equinox. My husband would be like this. He would be like, stop and I'm driving. Why? Because there's a law that governs that. There's a command. And the U.S. government's not necessarily a loving father, but there's a command on Highway 425 inside Monticello. You go 40. In one spot, you can go 45. Why? Because people don't need to be plowing down by Walmart going 100 miles an hour. People don't need to be passing the Walgreens red light where that railroad track is going 100 miles an hour. It's just common sense. And as citizens of the United States, we do what the, what the government says or there's penalties. When we make Jesus the Lord and master of our life, we come into a new system of government, governed by God and his son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And there are things that God instructs us to do that are just common sense in the body of Christ. Loving instructions from a loving father to give God's best to us and for us. And so the prayer of salvation is simply the beginning. It's not the ending. It's not like we get our get out of hell free ticket card punched and then we're good to go. It's the beginning of a life in Christ. A new system of management and government. We are not saved by works because we can never do anything good enough. But we are saved and then we do the work. Titus 3, 4 through 5. He saved us. Not because of any works of righteousness that we had done. But because of his own pity and mercy and the cleansing bath, the new birth, the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out so richly upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Isaiah 64, 6. For we have all become like one who is unclean. And all of our righteousness... Our deeds of rightness is like filthy rags in a polluted garment. But then we find out in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how are we going to confess that Jesus is Lord? We have faith to believe that Jesus died for us. How's that come? It comes by hearing. And what should we be hearing? The word of the Lord. So as we hear more of the word of the Lord, then our faith is increased and we grow and mature in Christ. James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word. So faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word. And when we hear the word, James tells us don't be just hearers, but be doers of the word. Obey the message. Not merely just a listener to it. Betraying yourself into deception. By reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone listens to the word without obeying it. And being a doer of it. It's like a man who looks at his own face in the mirror. For he observes himself and then goes off and forgets what he was like. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law. The law of liberty is faithful to it it and preserves it. Looking into it. Not being heedless listener who forgets. But an active doer. 
who obeys. He shall be blessed in his doing. His life of obedience. I set before you two choices. Blessings, cursings, life, death. Please choose life. Don't be just a hearer, be a doer. Have you ever told a kid or, or even a friend, whoever for that matter, that to go do something and they listen to you, but they can go do it? It's so frustrating, isn't it? God deals with that every day. We listen. We got the Word of God on, on our phone that'll talk to us. You know, we've got, we've got all these things where we can listen to the Word of God. But God wants us to be more than just listeners. He wants us to line up our actions with our listening. So we're not just listening to the message. We're not just saying, Jesus, you're Lord of my life, and then going our merry own way. That's a nice story. We're being listeners and out of our love for God and His instructions as a loving Father, then we do. That's how we have the blessed life. Because He shall be blessed in His doing, His life of obedience. First John 5, 3. For true love of God is this. If I said, how many of you love God? Everybody's hand would go up. The true love of God is this. That we do His commands. We keep his ordinances, are mindful of his precepts and his teaching, and those orders are not irksome or oppressive or grievous. Well, oh my goodness, I can't lie anymore. Well, I just don't know how I'm going to make it without lying. Now, that's a silly example. But you see what I'm saying? God doesn't want us to look at what he's asked us to do as children of God as some obligation that we got to do. He wants us to do it because we love Him. And we see Him as our Abba Father. And so, of course, we want to do what pleases the Father. You want to please your dad. You don't want him to be upset with you. You don't want him to be mad at you. So you do what he says. Because you love him and he loves you. And he doesn't tell you what to do because he hates you. He tells you what to do and gives you instructions because he has a good plan for your life. He can see six steps down the road and know from what he's gone through what's going to happen. And so he's just trying to steer you in the right direction. And when God gives us things to do and to not do in his word, it's not because he's trying to hold something from us. It's because he sees down the road and he sees what that lifestyle leads to. And he wants you to have and enjoy your life to the full until it overflows. And the only way that's going to happen is if we line up with his loving instructions from a loving father. Psalm 119, 30 through 32. It's misprinted in your notes. It's Psalm 119. I've chosen the way of truth and faithfulness. Your ordinances I've set before me. I cleave to your testimonies. Oh, Lord, put me not to shame. I will not merely walk, but I will run the way of your commands when you give me a heart that's willing. God wants us to run the way of his commands. Let's look at 1 John 3, 9 through 24. 
No one that is born and begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. For God's nature abides in him, his principle of life, and he cannot practice sinning because he's born and begotten of God. So sinning and God do not mix. They're like oil and vinegar. You're not going to get them together. By this it is made clear who take their nature from God and who are his children and who take their nature from the devil and are not his children. I set before you the blessings and the cursings. No one who does not practice righteousness, who does not conform to God's will and purpose and thought and action, is of God. You can't be in God, you can't be of God, if you do not practice right standing with Him. Neither is anyone who does not love his brother, his fellow believer in Christ. For this is the message, the announcement which you have heard from the first, that we should love one another. And not be like Cain who took his nature and got his motivation from the evil one and slew his brother. And why did he slay him? Because his deeds, his works, his activities were wicked and malicious and his brothers were righteous and virtuous. Don't be surprised and wonder, brethren, if the world detests you and pursues you with hatred. Have you ever felt like you've been pursued with hatred i felt like that a few times in my life. God is telling us through this writing, don't be surprised when that happens. When you start lining your life up with God's commands and there are people who don't like it. We know that we have passed over out of death into life by the fact that we love the brethren, our fellow Christians. He who does not love abides in spiritual death. He who hates his brother in Christ. Notice he's not talking about sinners. He's talking about people who say they believe. Because it's his brother in Christ. Anyone who hates and detests and abominates his brother in Christ is at heart a murderer. That's some strong words. We cannot have hate in our heart and say that we are of God. Why? Because God specifically says, if you don't forgive others their trespasses, I won't forgive you of your trespasses. And these are strong words, but they're words that we need to hear. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding within him. By this we come to know and recognize and perceive and understand the essential love that he laid down his own life for us. And we ought to lay our lives down for those who are our brothers in him. But if any one of you, anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother or his fellow believer in need, and closes his heart of compassion, how can the love of God remain in him? Little children, let us not love merely in theory 
or just in our speech or our words. But let us love in deed and in truth, in practice and in sincerity. So, this all lines up with God's idea that we don't just confess and then we're done. We confess our works don't save us, but we're saved, then we do the work. Don't just love with your words, love with your actions. By this we will come to know and understand that we are of the truth and can reassure our hearts in his presence. Whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us, for he is above and greater than our conscience, our hearts. And he knows and understands everything and nothing is hidden from him. So, if we're doing the work, if we're lining our life up with instructions from a loving Father, then there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. So, he goes on to say, um, and this is his order, his command, his injunction, that we should believe in and put our faith on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And we should love one another just as he commanded us. All who keep his commands, who obey his orders, who follow his plan, live and continue to live and stay and abide in him and he in them. They make their home in Christ. And by this we know and understand and have proof that he really lives and makes his home in us by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. God loves us. He has a good plan for our life. But getting saved, asking him to forgive us, is just the beginning of believing. There's so much more that God intends for our life. Remember, we're going to be talking about the commander's intent, his directive, his idea, his objective for the best life possible. And it all begins with believing. And we're going to finish up believing and get into belonging next week. But God wants us to come to truly know and understand his ways and not look at his directives, not look at the things that he says for us to do and the things that he says for us not to do as something that he's trying to keep from us, but realize that his intent, his intention is for us to, John 10, 10, have and enjoy our life in abundance to the full until it overflows. And he knows that he is set before us in the Garden of Eden in Deuteronomy 30 and even to this day, the blessings and the cursings. And we have a choice to make. What are we going to choose? Are we going to choose God's best and follow his instructions as a loving father? Or are we going to choose to be cursed? God set up consequences for our behavior. Why? Because he didn't want a world full of robots. He wanted people that wanted to love him, that wanted a relationship with him. That's why we have good and evil, because people make their choice. I set before you this day the blessings and the curse. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. You can write to us at Post Office Box 1004. That's P.O. Box 1004, Monticello, Arkansas, 71657. Or you can email us at lci.monticello 
at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also check out our website. It's www.getlife.co. That's www.getlife.co. There you can find Pastor Kelly and Pastor Josh's sermon notes, and you can see what's going on all through the week at Life Church. We would love to have you in one of our services with us. Join us Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. for our worship service. Pastor Kelly ministers, and it's a great time in the presence of God. Or you can join us for Digging Deep on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Pastor Josh digs into the Word of God, connecting the Old Testament with the New Testament and giving us a fresh biblical perspective from God's point of view. We hope that you have a great week this week. Remember, go live to make God look good. God bless you till we're with you again.